Absolutely false as well. And pushing buttons from inside a crate, it's the leader of the opposition's own personal gimp, Mr. Richard Marlin. Equally, absolutely false. Okay, Jesus, warm in the suit. Well, yeah, he talks through the zipper. It's a challenge, but you can learn. Well, makes a change from the Freddy Krueger jumper. I guess we're all grateful, but. Now, you guys must have got up and read the papers this morning. Yes. Well, the one I heard about it was I got a call from the row bosses. Rod's been busted with strippers. I've been 20 jokes by 10. <laughs> <laughs> they come up with much? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, a couple that didn't make it to air, so we'll see how they go. Are we allowed to have those, or are they? Just, or just audition one for yeah. us now, Rich. Just get it started, Rich, if you this, can. This joke yeah. is property of, property of roving enterprises. <laughs> all told, don't kill us. Go, Rich. Look, I don't know about Kevin 07. I've heard of more of a Kevin five and a half as well. Oh, hang on. Something like that. Um, Good. Boing yourself. Uh, I got up yesterday morning and just saw this on the front of your, uh, your Herald Sun in Melbourne. I had too much to drink. I apologise. An exclusive by Glenn Mills. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, he's written his own story up. Now, he's your bloke who uh, got a bit pushy at the, at the yeah. journalism award. That's the thing about this story is, you're going, it's been written by Glenn Mills, mm-hmm. who we only know pretty much from, uh, you know, getting drunk at an awards night and physically assaulting the bloke from Crikey. Brilliant. And he's written a story about Kevin Rudd being taken to a strip club by Col Allen, who was the editor of the Daily Telegraph for about 10 years. There you go. So where exactly is the moral authority here? Well, they're not a telegraph. <laughs> no, no, that, that's fair go, Tony. The telegraph. Sure, we took him there and I'm a pisshead, but how bad is that Kevin Rudd? Absolutely right. That's basically what they're saying. Uh, what else have we got yesterday? Um, none of, um, the thing is, you keep reading this thing about how he's allegedly touched some strippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone seems to know that. Mm. But where did you get that from? Uh, because everyone's denying it. Like, even Kyle Allen said that didn't happen. Oh, right, okay. There doesn't seem to be any eyewitnesses. The people who work at the strip club. Would you remember some nerdish bloke from Australia coming there four years ago? No. Why are you looking at me like that? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking, wait a second. Wait, nobody seems to remember where this touching story came from. No. So I mean, thought you were going to ask me, would I remember touching a stripper? <laughs> I thought, well, this is dangerous territory, isn't it? You are covered in glitter. Oh, I don't understand why. Okay, better. But listen to this, so I went back through all the articles to try and find out where this bit about him touching the strippers actually came from. Reports of Mr Rudd's behaviour reached senior Australian diplomats serving in the US at the time. One of those diplomats who insisted on an anonymity, mm-hmm. as they say, mm-hmm. in the state, mm-hmm. 
uh, told the uh, Sunday Herald Sun a version of events involving inappropriate behaviour. So it's an anonymous source with a version of events that can't actually be elaborated upon. So they've got an anonymous source and they've gone, tell us what happened. Oh, we went there and nothing happened. Tell us another version. <laughs> yes. Well, what, what kind of version? We need a different version. <laughs> tell us a version where he touches them up. Because there's all kinds of stuff today. Yeah. So it's, it's just fascinating how they're covering this and trying to make it look like more than it is. What do you got, Tony? Well, you've got, firstly, okay. See, you know, I stopped when I saw the pictures. Yeah. When yeah. I looked at an article, I was like, the pictures of the strippers, I went, well, that's right. You know, all spare that. There's a picture of three strip ends, well, who actually weren't there. No. These are the ones who now work at the club. Good to see strippers making there. And then there's the headline, scores high on the police factor. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a profile of Cole Allen, presumably, right? <laughs> scores pretty high on the police factor. Ding. This is where he takes people for a business meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's scores nightclub. Oh, and then, this is the part that fascinates me. They're trying to find people who'll say that this is going to reflect on him badly. Yeah. And of course, everyone they speak to just goes, oh, it makes him sound like a normal bloke. I quite like him I now. quite like him now. Great, let's have a party. So, listen to this in the Herald Sun today. Um... It might humanise him a bit. People see him as too much of a bookworm and diplomat, said one male frontbencher. But women's and church groups no. remain particularly silent on Mr. <laughs> Rudd's night out. They remain particularly silent. Mm. The very next sentence in the article is this. If we hanged every bloke who was stupid, there wouldn't be many left, the National Foundation for Australian Women, uh, Mary, Mary Coleman said. Mm. Uh, Women's electoral lobby spokesman and prominent feminist Eva Cox said, Mr. Rudd had a generally good attitude to women. It's not something that represents his usual behaviour. The Australian Christian lobby said Mr. Rudd's night out would affect some view of him, but no one was perfect. Managing director Jim Wallace said, in reality, we all know none of us are perfect. It's a case of let he who is without sin cast the first stone. We are all fallible. Let me just go back to the beginning of that paragraph again. Women's and troops, church groups remain particularly silent. So silent. So the phone hasn't stopped ringing. Three paragraphs of comments from them. Gosh, do you have to just be quiet for one minute? What they mean is women's and church groups remain particularly uncooperative with this article. Absolutely right. Because then they've got all these people quoted, and then the only word against him comes from Chris of Elwood. Oh, that, yeah. Thank God they contacted Chris of Elwood. What does Chris say? He says uh, the opposition leader is a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you profess to be a God-fearing, holier-than-thou Christian, mm-hmm. just remember not to have skeletons in the closet. Absolutely. Is he, does he get around on the Bible bash, your old Kevin Rudd? Not that I know of. I've never seen him doing much of that. Well, he's all Chris. But above that, here's a photo of him blinking. I oh, know, that was the, that's the incriminating one for me. <laughs> to make him look pissed. <laughs> I pulled that old one out of the closet. Yeah. But then, so then, in the article it says... Um, uh, reports of Mr. Rudd's behaviour has no doubt left some voters angry. No doubt. I mean, and no doubt. I mean, probably. Look at Chris. It's possible. I mean, look at Chris. Look what Chris thinks now. I mean, he's never going to get Chris back. Chris from Elwood is gone for Kevin Rudd. The other thing they brought up yesterday was, well, who knows how his teenage boys are going to react to this. i got a fair idea how his teenage boys are going to react to the fact that you can see this. What say, Charlie? Feel like, oh man, did they rub up against you? <laughs> but anyway, shockingly. Oh, hang on. No, we've left out one bit, which is the VPS of the Telegraph, mm-hmm. former editor of the blog. Mm-hmm. So we there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did he actually get into a fight with the bouncers? Oh, oh. I will not shrink from a fight with anybody. Ah, oh, oh, that sounds like a movie fake car. Getting involved. I'll tell you what, though. We need a smoking gun in. Mm, that's shocking. But uh, I've got my hands on some on some audio yeah. of an even more shocking incident. 
between Kevin Rudd and the stripper. Hi, this is Warren Kepa. his head. The female driver lost control on a bend, the vehicle ploughing through the bedroom wall. The woman was taken to hospital with minor injuries. The homeowner, yes, is buying himself a lottery ticket. Of course he is. Is there any follow-up on these people who buy lottery tickets? What's he going to do, patch up the house with lottery tickets? He just missed by something. Apparently the idea is to buy a lottery ticket. Oh, right. Every news bulletin. Time to go play chicken with a train. If I survive, get a $1 scratchy. Who knows what will happen. 
The nation avoided the bombing. Everyone's buying lottery tickets. Hey. Got to follow this up to see if it actually works. Good idea. <laughs> see if it's a system. What else is going on over the weekend? Oh, the same paper whose former editor took Kevin Rudd to the strip club so that a pisshead could write it up uh, is running a picture of. Shane Warne in Lederhausen. Oh, yeah. that's like you on our website. <laughs> it certainly does. It's copying my look. Shane Warne and his ex-wife, Simone. As the caption says, as they might look as German citizens. <laughs> holding a beer side, wearing Lederhausen. <laughs> that's one of our most respected newspapers right there. Well done. Shane Warne is he might look as a German. Because what's the deal here? He's going to Germany to become a German citizen so he can play cricket in England, something like that. Apparently. I'm trying to work out an invading Poles joke, but I can't quite yeah. get to it. And what would be strange is, you know, if you go to Germany, as Mr. Warne, of course, you get to Germany, your hair worn. That's right. And then when you go back to England, you're Mr. Warne, and you lose the hair. And I don't want to really worries me. That's hair loss. Very nice. You've been sitting on that all night, haven't you? <laughs> Here, Lord. No, 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 it's fine. It's from the Bartes studio. It's all Well, okay, that's the big news. Strange. What about the listeners? They've got plenty to say. They've got, a, they, you know, they've got a lot to say and a lot to email. I've got the best lookalike for Richard Marvin coming up next. Yeah. That's simple. That's you too. With a bit of speed, probably. They caught me. I did sing the song during a break. Uh, yes, it's get this around the nation on Triple M. Brought to you by the Nissan Navara. Oh, what a 4 by 4 Huge pulling power, rugged good looks. See what you can't do. I had a crack at this down in the car park. You can't pull the plastic up from uh, underneath the steering column and touch two wires together and drive off in it. Amazing. Every other car you can. Don't the moon get by to us? If you do attempt to do that, as Kevin Rudd did recently, this is what happens. Yeah, bad luck, Ruddy. Hang on, we're approaching an election for the purposes of fairness and balance. We'd better electrocute the Prime Minister as well. Aye, aye, Nicely done, really. Well, was it done? Yeah. Oh, was it nicely done? Because the Woodstock Smith writes in. Oh, yeah. And said, uh, Dear Ed and Tony, who's this mysterious hot girlfriend of Martin's who yeah. we refer to all the time? Mm-hmm. How could a man whose main ability in, in life is to jab blindly at some sound effects buttons <laughs> while espousing the merits of the band Pavement attract <laughs> someone of the level above that of a crack addicted skank? Sometimes I just like it when you jab blindly. The mind boggles. Now, Gustav, I'm going to go into bat for Richard here. That is not fair. Richard is a trained professional panel operator. What is going on? Professional. That's kind of an incredibly hot girlfriend. That's not just a joke that we say. No. Oh, my though. Well, apparently I am the guy with the glasses from Ghostbusters. It's just... No, you look like Harold Ramis. I know. I don't... Maybe, like, because he's way older than me. So I look like he did 10 years ago. Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, this is what Danny Barrett says. When Tony was on Thank God You're Here, my eight-year-old daughter thought he was the guy from the Ghostbusters with glasses. Took the whole show to convince her it wasn't. <laughs> Want to talk lookalike? Uh, hello there, Heidi Llewellyn. Thank you for emailing this. I think Richard looks like Tracy Gold from Growing Pains. Oh, dear. <laughs> Is it true? Have you Come got on. that? He does. His perm's a little bigger than mine. What are about? It's a little pixelated, <laughs> but you'll have to trust me. It's going to go up on the website. Uh, what about Alan Thicke? No. 
Great thing for you. It's Tracy Gold or nothing. That's the best one we've had so far. We are going to add a Marlin wing to the lookalike gallery. You can come and see it. Uh, we were talking about what if you walk out of movies you yeah, walked yeah. out recently. Uh, Dr. Rosen Rosen calls in. Uh, he and his brother made it only 20 minutes into jury duty with Paulie Shaw. Oh, really? Oh, dear. Oh, a middle-aged female who showed up with her shopping bags and who possibly was expecting the movie to be a documentary walked out in disgust in the first scene when Paulie was doing a strip tease and pouring milk over himself. Wow, they opened with that, didn't they? Yeah. You blew his big guns early on that one. But then we were talking about William Atherton. He's an actor from uh, 80s movies. He was the uh, sleazy reporter in Die Hard. Oh, yes. yes, yes he yes. was the bad guy in Ghostbusters. Yes. Me, if you remember. <laughs> He's still getting work. In his last scene, this is according to Joel White. I'm sure William Atherton is still getting down forward. Last time uh, Joel saw him, he was in Biodome with Paulie Shaw. Oh, oh, oh. Six degrees of Paulie Shaw on this program. I think we'd, I think we'd game to play. Uh, what else? Uh, firstly, well, Cameron Allen has written in. He's watching Hot Buzz on the weekend. Now, on DVD, a fancy two-disc set. He says he couldn't help but notice the very subtle appearance of water sports. That KPM music track from 1972 you guys used very quietly in the scene when Sergeant Angel first confronts Mr. Skinner in his manager's office with the evidence. I can't remember that scene, but apparently you can hear... ...background. When the music came on, Cameron exclaimed to his girlfriend... This is dizzy stuff, folks. <laughs> she was mystified. I don't think they're together anymore. Oh. Is this worth a copy of a legal download? Maybe we could find one for this gentleman. Yes, yes. You could spot this piece of music in a movie. That's worth a legal download. I don't know if we should uh, start a competition called Spot the Water Sports, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless. He's also alerting us to a fine DVD you can get on the internet. John Clark. Mm-hmm. Is selling autographed copies of his brilliant Fred Dag DVD. Yeah. Now, this is like some kind of Fred Dag DVD, mm. and you can't get it in the shops. You right. can only get it via www.mrjohnclark.com. I wish you guys would have him on the show. We should get Clark. Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes the bet him, though. No. He's out in the shed. I know. He doesn't do much. I know. But we will try and get him in. All right. Uh, any other bombshells from the listeners? Oh, hang on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we don't need more information about Holiday Island. I think that's over. People want to know when Charlie the Wonder Dog will be out on DVD. The one with the piss wick kids. Yeah, yeah, Most of it is on yeah. the Champagne Edition DVD. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a couple of uh, hidden ones, I think. Easter eggs. Ooh. And people start to find the Easter eggs on this new one we've done. Barjas. Olden Days. Mm-hmm. Which might be your video shop under L. Because it's late show presents. I know some people are having trouble like oh, I wouldn't have done that. No, if you go store where I work, it would be under B, straight to B. Mm-hmm. Next to Biodome. Next to Biodome. <laughs> and Bed of Roses with Christian Slayer. Ouch! How would you like to win a copy of the Barjas Easter egg laden DVD? Well, what do I do? You just have to take part in a little segment called Talk Back Mountain. Oh, wow! That'll be next! Lurch from one catastrophe to the next. All around Australia, thanks to the Nissan Navara, huge pulling power. You know the story. It's also the home of the Get This podcast. I think uh, 117 went up over the weekend. How's it looking? Oh, chockers. You've got Tom Gleiser in there. 
You've got uh, Richard Thunder's black cat. Richard Thunder. That's what we'll call you from now on. Richard Thunder. <laughs> Richard Thunder. Suddenly, Richard Thunder Chase is in there. Uh, vintage Hollywood actresses who are still hot. They sound tasteful. So I remember Grace Kelly comes in for an ill-deserved bag. Kelly. Dead actors get their own nothing on this show. <laughs> Accidental nudity. Oh, Peter Costello in denial. And, of course, the most shambolic segment ever on the show, Orlando Bloom or dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Completely uncensored. Yeah. So what part of Podcast 117 is free? Triple Or go via the iTunes. And, of course, we will be putting a bit of uh, Friday's show on our podcast soon because a lot of fans of Alan Ruck have been calling up. Yeah. Alan Ruck, who was in one of the Star Trek movies, um, Star Trek Generations, where he played at the age in Melbourne this today. What was his character? Ed, I think the uh, his character was uh, cap- Ooh, Caption John Harriman. Yes, according to the age, he played a caption in that <laughs> film. I wonder what font he was in. <laughs> caption Courageous. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, and I'm hoping, very much hoping, there'll be yet another podcast going up today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coming. I think it's time for music, though. What have we got? Well, it is. I learned off air that, Richard, you had 15 guitar lessons, but we're no good at it because you have sensitive fingers <laughs> and uh, the guitar strings cut into if you're not callous probably the frets can actually fret your fingers alright Thunder that's true <laughs> okay, you, Mr. Thunder can I play sensitive music let's uh, let's have some of that I'm grabbing blindly but time for Bell and Sebastian yeah, but you, no let's not have any of that let's not have sensitive music let's have some hard rock Rich. yes you got something there for us sure let's go Rich two three four really for waterfalls put the pan pipe down Rich Just give us some Real rock, okay? Okay, you want to feedback a little bit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ideas for the ads 
from a uh, one of those tapes they put out of award-winning ads from overseas. Oh, dear. So I was 21. I'd never been to a casino before, and I was completely off my nut. <laughs> so I got up and uh, used a fair bit of foul language, apparently. <laughs> Distributing F and C. <laughs> going out of business. <laughs> All I remember is just waking up in a chair with a queue of elderly people from Queensland country radio stations going, you'll never work again in this state. Oh, oh no. You foul-mouthed young man. You'll never work in Innisfail Radio again. <laughs> wow. And all I was trying to do was defend uh, Ian yeah. mm-hmm. from these accusations of plagiarism, but nobody remembers that. All I remember is <laughs> the F and C. Let's have a round of booze. <laughs> What happened was, over the years, the story has just become more and more exaggerated until... So, recently, I bumped into Mark Irvine, who's, well, an FM radio announcer. Mm -hmm. He'd been up in Queensland. He goes, mate, what did you do with the Goldies at 85? I'm going, well, everyone's heard the story, haven't they? He goes, apparently you punched out Billy J. Smith and tried to set fire to Wickedy Whack. (laughs) (laughs) How did it get to that? Who would try and punch out Billy J. Smith? He's fallen over. He's fallen over. He has to give himself one. <laughs> and how exactly do you set fire to a bunch of comedy parodists? Setting fire to Wiggy Wack. Oh, they're wearing a lot of shit on, were they? Pretty ambitious. How do you know it wasn't true? It could have been a Kevin Rudd style blackout. <laughs> you don't know what you've got up there. Well, that is the nearest I've got to a rudd out. Uh, what about you, Mr. Martin? You seem to be sitting on a lot of shameful well, incidents. Yeah, a shameful incident a few weeks ago, uh, giving a bit of a speech at my sister's 18th birthday party. Mm. Might have dropped the magic a couple of times. Oh, dear. Uh, in the speech. What was your excuse? It was a mixed crowd. Okay. Uh, you know, and Mocha's nice. And I accidentally, yeah. I mean, there was aunties and uncles, and so I apologise for that. Yeah. Um, but you some booze. <laughs> sort of an awards night or something. I had a suit on mm-hmm. and uh, I went up there and soiled my suit uh, from the climb because I just couldn't make it. I was too drunken. <laughs> it was torn. There was mud all over it. It wasn't yeah. soiled in the way that I would uh, like it to have been. Were you, did you get any action? No. No, none at all. Because oh, I didn't make it to the top. I was so unfit. So when you meet a girl, what she says is, can you go as far away as possible <laughs> to the top of a mountain? And when you get back, well, maybe my phone number. I was with her. She was jogging up and down. She was fine. Uh, <laughs> I was just a, a bleeding mess at the bottom. All right. Is that shameful? I guess that's shameful. Look, I'd be you at this. I'm a pretty clean living guy. But yeah. how young is too young to push in front of someone at the supermarket? <laughs> so he was a kid. He was pretty tall, though, for his age. For a four-year-old. He was buying bubblegum or something, and he was flicking through a TV hits magazine, and he hadn't seen that it was time to move on. And I had my usual basket full of, you know, chicken off cuts and yogurt and... Dick Smith's bush food and fruit and Dick Smith's bush food. And I thought, I'd take this opportunity. <laughs> Get right by him. Fantastic. Drop that, mate. <laughs> 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 Surely you've got a few in the back pocket. Why don't I have a go at being given run for a day? Is there a prize? <laughs> oh, there certainly is. Yep. We've got, yes, copies of the DVD of the year. This is the menu music. 
That's right. Even the menu music is worth having. It's large after the olden days from the late show collection. Okay. 17 entries, possibly a world record. We're trying to have more hidden content than actual content. That's the idea of this DVD. Commentary tracks up the wazoo. Up the gurna. Extras up the gurna. Everyone goes home happy and chockers. Every caller today will get a copy of this fine new DVD. It's out in the shops now. Of course, now, with your shameful incident from your past, you want to get out of your system. One triple three five three. Kevin Rudd style incident of best up to it. Hello, Chris. Hey, young boys. Excellent. What happened? Oh, I disgraced myself. Probably even worse than Kevin Rudd, I think. What have you done? One weekend, I uh, openly organised a Steven Seagal movie marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
He doesn't even remember what he did. It's called crazy, man. Get me out of here. This guy's a lunatic. I think that Humphrey was in the next cell for some reason. He's been quiet. Well, that shameful incident has got you a copy of DVD of the Year, sir. Hey. Bajat and the olden days. Thank you, Matt. G'day, Sam. G'day. How you doing? Excellent. What happened? I was at church in a, at a christening, and I was listening to football and airpiece. <laughs> yeah. And we lost by a point, and I yelled out the F and C word, and it echoed through the whole church. Seven point three. No one's going to look it up to see if you're right. F and C, my lord. There you go. <laughs> Good on you, Sam. And how was it? Were you escorted to the door? I was punched all the way down to the door, and then. I haven't seen some of the family since. Wow, the wow, forgiving. Wow. Those Christians are really right. <laughs> Punched all the way to the door of the church. Fair enough, Sam. Well, it's got you a copy of Barjas in the Olden Days on DVD, sir. With 17 Easter eggs. Now, well done, Sam. Finally, Josh, how are you, sir? I'm great, mate. How are you? Excellent. What happened? Uh, well, I was on a Kentucky tour in uh, France. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and uh, we got to this uh, this chateau that was staying at. It was in a French wine region. And um, the whole time on the bus on the way there, they said, whatever you do, don't get drunk and run through the vineyard. Right? And so I thought, you know, it was probably about 4 o'clock in the morning. I thought it would be a good idea. So I, I decided to run. But then I thought it even better idea to strip off and run through naked. Of course. And, um, yeah, all I had uh, was the, uh, the French winemaker running behind me uh, yelling obscenities in, uh, in French. So. <laughs> and, you know, with the video footage, is it still reenacted every year? Oh, I don't think that, but there's many other shameful stories, but that'll have to happen for another segment. Oh, well, <laughs> you only need one to get you a copy of Bargain from the Olden Days on DVD. Thank you, everyone. Thank wow. you, everyone. What a shameful collection. Mm. But, you know, I reckon we can go worse than that. Really? In the next... Now, do you reckon this bloke would have any shameful incidents on his uh, resume? It was pretty clean cut. We'll find out when we meet Matthew John. <laughs> That's not my thing. <laughs>
for that, Nicole. Right. What have you done, Matthew? You've got a talking movie. The idea is you're meant to make us talk about sport. I know, movies. Well, we've got a movie coming out called The Final Winter. It was written by a guy who was an old family player, a South player, Matt Nable. This is great. Now we can combine the two worlds. Oh, Uh, uh, we had guys who, uh, you know, 
rushed to hospital with uh, splits over their eyes. Guys who uh, broke their ribs, a guy who broke his wrist, guys who tore hamstrings, one guy did his knee. Uh, you know, they had a fighting scene where they basically had to get between them and, and split them up. So they really did jump. <laughs> Great footage, yeah. Good footage. This is going to be an excellent commentary track, but it comes across, Tony. It is. Great. It is so bone-jarring, some of the hits that you see. Yeah, just quickly explain what the final winter is for people who don't know. But it's based... Uh, of course, the AFL movie, uh, The Club, or the yeah. AFL movie, it, it's very similar to that. just involved around uh, club politics. Why it appeals to rugby league is that rugby league during the late 70s, early 80s, as I said before, it was, it was a very, very tough game. To be a star in those days, to make a name for yourself, you had to give more than you, 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 know, you took. It was, uh, and, and all of a sudden, now we got a, a, a chairman of the judiciary came in, uh, uh, Jim Cummins, and they decided that if this game was going to survive and get onto a bigger stage, they had to clean it up. So these great, uh, iconic men that were, you know, making a name for themselves and, you know, the great heroes of the game, all of a sudden, instead of getting two and three game suspensions for breaking guys' jaws, <laughs> we're getting 12-month suspensions, 18-month suspensions, and they basically took their livelihoods away. So it sort of harks back to that era. What I love about your older football is, and if I got this right, in the old days, people had to have a proper job as well as play football. That's right. And uh, that is true. My father, um, he, used to, he used to play rugby league and work dog watch down the coal mine. So he would play a game of football on a Sunday, go and have uh, half a dozen to a dozen to a dozen <laughs> and a half students, um, and then go to work, work down the coal mine from midnight to 8 o'clock in the morning. And that's just what he did. And have you used any of him in your, your character? Well, my father was a, uh, a coach as well, and I remember one day, you know, very proud, said to a few of my mates, had to do the, uh, the pre-game speech, we're going to have a listen. We're, and I've never heard language like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Mine kid just said, your father swears a lot. You should see when he's angry. <laughs> now, I think you had, may have had a little role in footy legends, correct? Yeah. And yeah. now you've got in this one, are you like second lead? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Um, well, there's a few of us here. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 part of it. I couldn't do it without the forwards. We've got John Jarrett yeah. and uh, Nathaniel Dean. And so it, it was fantastic. Myself and Matt Nabel had, before this movie, really had done no acting at all. Uh, he came and approached me one day uh, uh, at the gym at, and come up and said, listen, I'm, uh, I've written a script. If I get it up, are you interested? And I went, yeah. Then he wrote me and said, I think I've got it up. And I went, what are we going to do now? Well, let's talk more about this. And, you know, maybe, because we've got some great actors in this room. Richard Marsden, for example. Sam Monroe. He can give you some tips. And we've got to finally put our team together. Our crap team. Yeah, well, sort of, yeah. Have you been in a crap team? Yes. Dovetailed with Winfield Cup Heroes. Don't call now, but it's all coming up on Get This. Bring up though when uh, we were talking, you know, you were coming in yeah. today, Matthew. Richard said to me, he was looking at your Wikipedia entry, yeah. and he said, Oh, he, you know, we can talk to uh, Matthew about that World Cup that's coming up. He, uh, he won one of those once. That might be Rugby Union you're talking yeah. about there. Or <laughs> that was the Rugby League World Cup in 1995. Yeah, that was a different one. And actually, a little applause in Matt Nable, who was the star of the movie and wrote the film The Final Winner. Yes, when's that coming out? I just want to see how quickly August 23. we can get the publicist to run in here. August 23. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, his father, 
Dave Gable was the trainer of that tour. That's why I get to. There you go. There you go. There go. There well, now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were you a sworn supporter at one point? Oh, yeah, back in the. Uh, I was living in Sydney at the time. Mm-hmm. My mum my from uh, Melbourne, one of your AFL states. So we would have to go every weekend. And it was. There was no one there, Matthew. As you know, it was diabolical. It was always raining. But I was painting some absolute screamers. Because uh, I used to sit behind the goal. And one night, one day I went up, got on my friend Oliver's shoulders, took a screamer, and then cracked the seat with my head when I came down. <laughs> that would have made their highlights. Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. Once Dr. Eggleston pulled his thousands out, they were crap. Uh, but uh, I remember in 1993, we were playing a game at Newcastle, the rugby league, we were playing up, and uh, at the closing stages of our game, there was a bit of a break in play, and the, uh, the ground announcer got on the PA and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I've got an urgent message. And everyone's got, oh, someone's died. Or someone's died. Broken in it. And uh, I listen, he goes, The Swans have actually won a game. <laughs> and the crowd laughed. They lost 25 in a row. And it just shows how far they've come now. It's uh, really disappointing. Now, something you said, Matthew, when we were on here just a moment ago, you said, I haven't done much acting. But hang on, what are you talking about? What about all your characters on the footy show? Reg, and what, is, uh, is he still, you know, kicking on? Yeah, he kicks on. I just use him sparingly. But, uh, yeah, he's still there. And he's a throwback to that 1970s era of, uh, you know, my father. You know, Reg Reagan's completely incorrect. He, he drinks, he's a, drinks a huge amount of alcohol and smokes. He's a terrible womanizer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my father actually said to me one day, he goes, mate, I don't find Red Dragon funny. I said, because you are Red Dragon, Gary. <laughs> and what, you've done a few other characters, have you? I, I do, uh, I, I did a gay airline steward uh, tramp there for a while, and I did a, I, I do occasionally do a uh, hard-hitting current affairs reporter called Warren Robson, the strangest husband of Naomi. <laughs> and how are you going with that now that Naomi, what has happened to Naomi? Yes. It's not the same, is it? I think, so. you know what Naomi Robson should have done? They did this, uh, thing for YouTube, and somebody snuck oh, out that's right. all these clips of her, yeah, like taking the piss out of the crew and stuff, mm-hmm. and we put it on the office, we go, this will be hilarious, and halfway through, everyone's gone quiet in the room, mm-hmm. and you can tell we're all thinking, this is what she should be like on the show, exactly, she's great, she's like a real person now, mm-hmm. it's amazing, isn't YouTube, just talking about Morgan Fairchild for a second, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> isn't it strange, the stuff that just pops out your neck, I was on YouTube, and with my young like and Typing wrestling and WWE, and I actually found this. And you've got to have it. I found an interview on the Arsenio Hall show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Arsenio Hall, Morgan Fairchild, mm-hmm. and wait for it, Randy Macho Man Savage. Randy Savage. It's great that's been preserved for the ages. And uh, he was like, I'm going to break Hulk Hogan's neck. I'm sorry about that, Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta see it, it's brilliant. Sorry. I saw Ravishing Ric Flair uh, doing some signings uh, last year. Now, Ravishing Ric Flair must be in his 80s. Yeah, he's the Nature Boy or something. No, no, not Ravishing yeah, the Nature, nature boy. boy. Right, so he had this call of like, woo woo, or something along those lines. And he came out and he had two cups of tea, took a sip of both, gave them back to the publicist because they weren't good enough, sat down to start signing something, and one of the kids went, woo woo! He pointed at an assistant, and the assistant did the woo-woo back to the king. <laughs> we had him on our show, Rick, Rick Flair. Oh, yeah. And uh, and one of the guys, a big fella called Daryl Broman, he's quite a good human guy, just made the passing comment, is that your real hair? Because it's like, oh, oh. And, and he thought, yeah, yeah, you can tell he's a bit annoyed. And then the ad break wanted to fight Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? 
consistent hand in your chair. But you might get a, I've had some terrible luck in the past with wrestling. Mm-hmm. As a young man, I was a huge WWF fan. Of course, WWF, WWF, yeah. My favourite. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, of course, yeah. everybody loved the Hulk. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, he was good. They used to say, why he's so big. He said, he used to say, I eat plenty of fish and chicken. And I'd say, what about all the rest of you inject into yourself, Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> I used to absolutely love it. And I went to at Cessnock Services one night and they had a uh, wrestling fiesta and they had all the four invitations. There was, uh, <laughs> there was uh, King Kong Kelly, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> called George the Animal Harpers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and George the Animal Harpers comes out. He's, in a, he's standing on the ring apron to uh, take him out. And I'm talking to yourself. And one of my mates, we're at Cessnock Services, remember? We've got a big plate full of steaming hot chips and gravy. And he picks up a, a hot chip and throws it, and it lands on George Anvil Harpers' back. So he turns into the crowd, and he's just off his head and looks, and the spotlight just goes straight onto me. And I'm thinking, I'm called he's only one, too. So he comes down to me, he says, get in the ring. <laughs> and I say, no. And mind you, the B.O. he had was absolutely <laughs> incredible. He says, get in the ring now. And I said, no. So he spat in my face. I was <laughs> right in the face. Sure, the animal spat in my face. Wow. I've never been to the wrestling <laughs> since. Who was the announcer on the WWF and back in the 80s? The bald guy with the massage. Oh, yeah. yeah, what was his name? He's a season. great. William Shakespeare couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Great lines. Nah, we'll get it. Mean Gene Overland. Yeah, Mean Gene Overland. Yeah, that's right. He really sold it because he was, if somebody was having a feud. He was really offended on their behalf. And somebody kidnapped the British Bulldog's dog mascot one time, mm-hmm. and he just dropped the mic and walked off. Well, no, that's going too far. <laughs> and he just dropped the mic and walked off. But some of the great characters, the, the Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel. <laughs> <laughs> great names. Great names in wrestling. But that's not what we're looking for today, is it, from the listener? No. Let's find out what we're looking for next. <laughs> Sex, booze, drugs and rehab. Around Australia on Triple M, Matthew Johns is with us. He's in a new film called The Final Winter. It comes out on the 6th of September, so we were all wrong. Hey, do you do some uh, coaching work as well? Yes. I come down to Melbourne every couple of weeks and I work with the Melbourne Storm. Good right. work. Now, something you were saying off here is, uh, because the I grew up in New Zealand, people often say, why isn't Tony into football? Surely he should be. thing is, it was compulsory to play rugby when I was at school. Mm. And I was basically a stick <laughs> with feet and arms <laughs> and giant Maori blokes. Like the cast of Once Were Warriors, age six. <laughs> and I just flattened like a cartoon character into the field every single day. Yeah. Now, you're experiencing a bit of this up here. We, we, get, we have a huge influx of young Polynesian players in, in the game at junior level, and there's some fantastic. There's one guy playing for the Melbourne Storm, Israel Palau, who is absolutely brilliant. They're great players. But, but let's not deny it. They're huge. They're big. <laughs> they're big. And at the moment, you, you have kids who are 12 and 13, you know, who are 6 foot 1 and 90 kilos. They've been standing for six months. So there's four guys in rugby league at junior level, possibly in certain areas, going back to... Weight divisions. Oh, oh, yeah, that course. makes sense. It does. And uh, the only problem with this is the Malcolm Johnson rule. Yeah, Malcolm Johnson, of course, the famous jockey. He, mm. he tells a story he brags all the time that he actually played Australian schoolboys. What he doesn't say is that he was 35 at the time. Playing <laughs> <laughs> for the under under nine stone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, there is a there is 
that sort of problem in the game a little bit. But what do you do? Well, let's get a theme ladder happening. That's what we want to do today, isn't it? Right. Mr. Marlon, you've got a, you want to start the oh, yeah. in the area of women's rugby, actually. Yeah. I'm not talking about the Penrith Panthers. Oh, I don't know what that means. You've got on the Penrith Eagles up there. Are you looking for a reference? I mean, the bottom of the ladder. Who's yeah. yeah. coming last? Isn't the Penrith Eagles? Yeah, the Penrith Panthers. Well, the Wollongong White Waratahs women's rugby rugby side have lost 13 games in a row. Mm-hmm. And they've considered 1,579 points. Their last game, they lost 72 to nil to Wollongong. Um, they've yet to crack one, they've yet to have one score on the scoreboard all season. I think that's not an uncommon thing in rugby because, you know, when you get your teams, that it's very hard when, you know, when their defence is no good. Yeah, yeah. You're driving this thing. Speaking German, but speaking German warms the native tongue, as far as I can tell. Well, apparently they've come a long way because, uh, well, last year they, they won a few games, but this year, absolutely none. Yeah. The Wollongilly White Waratahs, one to watch. All right, so let's all put right. them on the ladder. Yeah, yeah I would never in any Teams, but I was in some kind of dark team at school. I was in a dark team going. And they're going, what are we going to call them? Because like darts are pointy. Someone went the Hornet. Someone went the Wasps. Someone else went the Hornet. Someone went the Wasps. The teams broke up because they couldn't decide what to call them. Really? The pricks, I called them. <laughs> but no, the team never got off the ground because we couldn't settle on the name. Yeah, that That's happened big. to the Chantuzis. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when the Chantuzis was four blokes as well as four women? Truly? I swear I'm not dreaming it. When the Shantuzi started, wasn't it four women, Tony Goldsmith, it's yeah. all, was and four blokes, including David Rain? Yeah, there was a Rain in there. I remember a Rain uh, in the middle. Sorry, we've got off sports. How did that happen? Any teams, any less known right. teams you were Well, actually, once in back of that famous year, 1993, the year the Swans lost thousand in a row. <laughs> I, uh, I had a mate that actually came down and he was coaching the Melbourne University Rugby League team. Oh, okay. Who was established in 1932, hadn't won a game up until 1955, yeah. and then re-established themselves in 1989 and still hadn't won a game. But Kelly <laughs> they hadn't won a game for 63 years. So he said, What's the chances of coming down a couple of you guys and throwing the boots on? So we had a split round because the state of origin, none of us were good enough to be selected. Yeah. So we said, yeah, let's go down. So we came down, we got on the ink until uh, about six or seven in the morning, then we drove out to Geelong <laughs> and played for Melbourne University versus Geelong and pulled off a draw. And after the game, the, the coach was so happy and the players and, and the half a dozen supporters they had were crying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was my claim. So, so what was the name of that team? Uh, Melbourne University. All right, we've got the Wasps, we've got Melbourne University, we've got the Shantuzis. Mm. Who else can we put on the ladder, Ed? Uh, Borkloos High School uh, soccer team, the Open's representative team of uh, 1994, 1993 actually. What was their claim to fame? Well, we hadn't won a game at all. Somehow we made the finals. Uh, I think there were that many teams in the competition, four, that we all made the finals, which was, happy, which was a happy day. We got there and eight of us had showed up. And there was normally 11 in a game. I thought, no worries. I was captain and coach and star player. I don't want to say too much. Fair enough. The back line was all stoned. So I thought, all right. <laughs> their attention to detail is getting stoned as in Western stone or Pakistan stone. We're talking Western. So they were, uh, their attention to detail wasn't great, but they surely loved the colour of the grass. They thought that was hilarious. <laughs> However, we pulled off a miraculous 
6-1 loss, and we're booted out of the final. This is the kind of stuff we're looking for. Call us and add your team to our ladder. One triple three five three. Oh, look, it's get this around the nation on triple. I'm sorry, Matthew John is with us, just telling us how to slip obscene phrases into a football conversation without anybody noticing. Lots of tips for young broadcasters here. You know what we're trying to do today? We're assembling our team ladder here in here. This doesn't have to be any logic to it. No. It doesn't have to be on a consistent yeah, sport. Yeah. Who have we got, Ed? Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you going? Fantastic. Now, which team are we adding to the ladder? Uh, we had an F grade basketball team called the Crash Test Dummies. Yeah. Uh, our, one year, our one win for the year came from a forfeit. Oh, no. Kevley is in fact a basketball coach. He's just doing it because of the uh, access to quality tail. But <laughs> the ladies' team, uh, any tips for this well, one? Well, to quote uh, uh, Eric Banner in Chopper, I've taken them from tears to effing glory. Uh, <laughs> we've won five on the trot. We beat the top team last week, and I gave I gave their star player a bit on the side. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I was revving her up to try She missed her. But anyway, we move on. Uh, Hello there, Josh. How are you? Hi, Ed. <laughs> Who are we having to the list? Uh, well, I was in a cricket team about 10 years ago, and basically uh, we went two and a half years of our solitary win. Everything. Basically, it started from the top order all the way down to the bowlers. <laughs> right. And what, was, what was your role, Josh? Well, you see, I was the opening batsman, but I had an average of two runs, and that was the best of the team. <laughs> We were the great old days during the 80s when we were just horrendous in the Australian cricket team. I used to sit there, I was glued to the television just watching the windy stick oh, it to us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was just more exciting. It seemed more exciting than just thinking that we may be able to win a game. I remember once Scotty <laughs> Laird, Bruce Laird, getting 100. <laughs> and uh, and Gal Garner missed Burley. It was just like, I mean, I, I couldn't sleep that night. It was so exciting. We just become complacent in our victory. Actually, that right. was the example that Josh was following. Yeah. <laughs> what other teams can we access here? Hey, yeah, Matt, how are you? Hey, young boys. Uh, we're excellent. Who are we heading to the list? Uh, the Windsor Wolves, mate. Um, we were a few people short of a side one year, under 12s. Uh-huh. And we, we got someone from the lower grades who looked like the registration photo of one of our players. Fair enough. <laughs> on the field, uh, one, one point we, they were up, uh, they had two extra players on the field. Really? Anyway, we lost 101 nil, <laughs> and it finished with one of our players giving the female ref the finger. One of the states. I can't get too old, but New South Wales. You know who you are. Well, congratulations, Matt. And did you ever come across the wall in your time, Matt? The Winter Wolves. They need to be fed. They won the Jim Cup. They won the Jim Beam Cup last year or something, I think. Yes, they did. They did. They did. The Wolves. They're almost too good for us. G'day, Brent. How are you? Good, thanks. Who are we adding to the ladder, sir? Oh. Oh. Footy Club. Oh, say that name again, mate. Garfield Stars. Garfield Stars. Now, what's their story? Uh, they won their first game in three years this mm-hmm. season, and um, and then the following week they had nine players roll up to play. The nine players didn't go so well. No, I think they were for about twenty-five. Right. What is the minimum amount of players you can actually field the team with, uh, Matty? I mean, rugby league? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. There was a famous game a few years ago where I. Uh, I 
Balmain versus North in early 90s, and I think three players were sent off. It was 13 against 10. Wow. But you just about could have employed the mercy rule if one more went off. I can't imagine what this. The nearest I've seen to that, and I've mentioned it before, is a sword fight in a play where there was only one sword. Hard to pull off, but it can be done. Shannon, how are you? Yeah, g'day, boys. How are you going? Excellent. Who are we adding to the ladder? The under six is St. Anthony's Rugby League site. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about them. What's, uh, what's happened? Uh, we went through the season defeated. That's okay. But uh, Maddie would know in the under sixes, the referee, the uh, coaches, sorry, are allowed on the field with the players to help them out. That's right. Um, now, our coach used to get sent off. He got sent off three times during the season for abusing his own face. <laughs> 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 My father, actually, he, he had a little bit of a suspension when I was playing in the under-age back at Central. Well, same thing, that the coach used to be allowed on the field. And Dad, one stage, as a player was going for a try, my father actually stepped in the way. <laughs> he gave him a little shoulder bar. <laughs> well... That's a whole nother idea when we get the most amount of calls, we haven't done it for a while, is overzealous parents football. Or he's thought really. We must do that again. What a great selection of teams. Uh, thanks everybody for everyone. Don't forget, I haven't mentioned the final winter in this break. It's coming out on the sixth of September. It's a new Australian film and it's about football. And I haven't mentioned Bajas Finally been remastered digitally. And we've got more to go. We haven't really had much politics no. in this hour. No. no talk of Kevin Rudd and strip clubs. No. no, let's go over the other side of the fence. Next, I'll get there. <laughs> around the nation. That's the John Butler trio. Matthew Johns is with us from your NRL footy show from a new film called The Final Winter. Well, I should just say that we didn't ask our listeners for Winfield Cup heroes, so oh. a big sorry to Martin Beller and Greg Canescu fans. Uh, your time, your any, time will come. Any name you'd like to throw in there, Matthew? Uh, Luther Venevic. Oh, yeah. We had a great influx of this. European in the game in uh, the mid-80s. He's had a look to the game as well. <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, sadly quickly talk uh, politics because we've had a few requests to play this again from last week. We've been talking Kevin Rabbit throughout the show. What's going on down the other end of the pool? Peter Costello. Remember that drama? Doesn't it seem so far away now? It does now. That business about him going to that restaurant and there was those journalists and he may or may not have said something. I taped this interview with the man himself of the Rager last week. Uh, Mr. Costello, did you have very specific recollections of your I'm 
Thank you. 